Welcome everybody, Jane Niblick here and with me is Matt Kubler. Matt, say hi. Howdy everybody. All right, welcome back everyone to the final educational webinar on the unspoken sale. It's the last time you get to talk with Matt unless you go to the unspoken sale and sign up and you get to hear from him a lot and talk to him and all kinds of great things. Two o'clock straight up, so out of those that are here on time, we're going to respect your time and get going. If you have any questions while we're moving along, just go ahead and ask them. If we can get to them, we will definitely try to, but go ahead and type those questions because we'll check them at the end anyway. So if we can address them in the middle, then we will show them at the end. So we're following up on the last four webinars talking about the unspoken sale, what it is, how it can help you if you're in sales, and we're going to finish wrapping this up. And Matt, Matt who's with us, is a uh, oh, 25-year veteran, right, in all kinds of different areas from military to you can see the list here on your screen of all the different forces he's either served with or trained with significantly. And in doing all that, he's developed into what I consider a world authority and many others on understanding the hidden messages that people are sending through their nonverbal communications or what we've been calling body language. So I'm going to turn it over to Matt. Matt's going to walk us through a summary of everything that we've covered and everything that's covered in the unspoken sale, pretty high level, 30,000 feet. And then we're going to get to listen to a day in the life of Matt. He's actually going to walk chronologically from beginning to end on a fictitious sales call. So he's pulling up into the parking lot all the way to walking back out to his car and notes that he has afterwards. So I'm gonna turn it over to Matt, and let's see how all of this gels, how all of this comes together into one cohesive sort of scenario. All right, so here we go. Thanks, Jay. Uh, first of all, thank you everybody for, uh, for tuning in today. Um, I know this is our fifth one. Hopefully we've gotten progressively better at these each time we uh, put one on. Uh, but what I wanted to do for for everybody's sake is to sort of pretty much go over on your screen. You're going to see slides pop up that are pretty much overviews of the previous four webinars. Um, and while we're, you're looking at the screen, there's going to be a point in time where I begin discussing a, uh, a fictitious sales call, like, like Jay said. And I'm just going to walk you through what, what I would do on a call um, in every level and every step that pretty much takes you through the entire unspoken sale program. So webinar number one, uh, which was the first one we did, uh, we pretty much just did a, a very high level overview of what the program was going to be about. Um, one of the, the big things that that will always stymie a good salesperson from, from becoming successful is having a, a lack of effective communication, uh, which obviously will equal in loss of sales. We discussed what the DISC program was. Uh, we identified what a person's buying style is, how to do that. Um, we decided that once you figured out their buying style and you, you had an increased understanding of their, that person, so once you know more about their personality and their buying style, you do become more aware of who your prospect is and therefore you can influence them better and lead them towards uh, making a purchase from you. Um, so better influence will always equal increase in sales. And, this, and the program is very easy to learn. Communication, remember, um, there's three types of communication that every human being exhibits. The first thing, um, you know, it's not, it's the how you say something, your pitch, your tone, the pacing, the way the word okay comes out of your mouth can mean 500 different things depending on how you say it. Um, the words you are saying, a very small percentage of, of the actual words 
is part of effective communication, but it is a part. And then the largest part is your body language and how your body coincides with the way you're saying the word to then properly give the proper message of the actual word you're saying so that you can tell the whole story. Uh, DISC. Uh, we'll get a quick overview of DISC just so everybody remembers what that is. Um, professor William Marston in 1928, he was a Harvard professor. Uh, he's also the inventor of the polygraph. He created the DISC theory. And Wonder Woman. <laughs> and Wonder Woman, too, um, which is what the, uh, the lasso of truth was. The, uh, the polygraph is what that was based off of. So uh, DISC, it's... Uh, D stands for a certain thing, I, S, and C. So um, he determined that each person has one of these four personalities in, within themselves. If they could have uh, two higher ones, but mostly you have one dominant one. So the first one, the letter D, is for decisive. Uh, the letter I is for interacting, S for stabilizing, and C for cautious. Uh, each one has their own corresponding set of behavior and body language traits as well, and that's something that, that we learned throughout the, the webinar programs as well. So when you're trying to identify uh, the buying style in your prospect, prospect um, one of the things you're going to look for is their tell, the thing, just like in poker, the giveaway, the thing they do that, that tips you off to who they are. Um, you'll figure out then how to approach that person and sell to them, because if you're a high D, and you're speaking to a high C, you can't come at them like you're talking to another high D. So you have to learn how to sell to them properly based on their buying style. And then you'll find out what motivates each uh, style to buy. So you'll know if you're dealing with a, another D or a high I or S or a C, you'll know what it takes to motivate them to buy. So translation for all this. Um, increased knowledge is always going to help you and it's always going to serve you in a good way. Um, Inward looking people, if you look at yourself first before you go looking at others, you'll become more in tune to um, other people's personalities and their buying styles. So knowing what your own personality is like, if you know you're a high D personality, and you'll see on the chart um, that, that will show on a slide here soon, the different uh, traits within uh, each one of the, the buying styles or personality styles. And you'll kind of figure out which one you are just by looking at those, those key words, whether or not you fit into one of those categories. Um, so once you know yourself, you can intuitively know how to sell to somebody else. So knowing your prospect's buying style will always allow you to, to tailor the way that you sell um, to meet that person's style. Uh, understanding what the body language traits that go along with each one of those is going to help you steer uh, away from danger and towards positive uh, sale. And it's going to help you identify when you're heading down each one of those roads. So it's always good to to know what those traits are for each one of the buying styles. Justin, we see your question here. There's a slide later on here that we're going to cover effectiveness. So uh, let's, if you're okay with this, Justin, let's just wait until we get to that. And if we don't answer your question, uh, we'll actually come on and make sure and restate it just in case. But thank you very much. In webinar two and three, we discussed the three baselines. Uh, there's the environmental baseline, the personality baseline, and the norm baseline. The environmental baseline uh, basically is everything in your environment that you can utilize to help enhance your ability to make both a successful read and to more easily determine your prospect's buying style. You're going to use readily available 
uh, information, uh, size of a room, air vents, uh, distracting things around you, uh, anything that you can use uh, that's in your environment to help you learn more about the person you're dealing with. So now we're going to begin the scenario. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to be walking through the scenario process, and as I get progressing through different phases of the unspoken sale program, Jay's going to change this the slide so you can sort of follow along on what I'm talking about. So I wake up in the morning. I'm the sales guy, and uh, I always make sure that I'm you know teeth brushed, shaved, looking good, hairs properly uh, combed, except I'm bald, so I don't really have that problem. Um, but I want to have a nice clean shave on my head, too. I'm addressed appropriately for the call. So if I'm in a, a sales world where I'm dealing in, say, pharmaceuticals, or I'm dealing with a lot of people that are wearing suits, I want to dress accordingly. Um, you don't want to overdress for the occasion, but you sure as heck don't want to underdress for the occasion. So I leave. Um, I head out to the location of the call, and I arrive in the parking lot. This building is gigantic. It's a, a very large pharmaceutical company, lots of glass windows, um, lots of natural light. And out in the parking lot, um, you know, always there's one thing you can be sure of. If there's reserved parking, it's going to be close to the front door. There's a reason why it's reserved. I always go there first. And if I can find, I know I'm meeting Jim Smith, the vice president of sales. I'm going to go find the vice president of sales parking spot because I'm pretty sure he's probably got a reserved one. So I'm going to find his car. I'm going to see what kind of car it is. What does he drive? Is he like BMWs, Audis? Is he driving a Pinto? I don't know. But it's going to tell me a lot about the person, just their, their personality, based on the kind of car they have. I'm going to look inside the vehicle. I'm going to take a look and see if there's anything in there that I can utilize for conversation topics to build rapport. I'm going to see if there's golf clubs, a tennis racket, a pair of running shoes, uh, magazines laying out in the back seat, um, a coffee cup from a particular brand of coffee. Anything that I can use inside the car, that's what I'm going to put in my little mental notebooks that I'm going to talk about because I know those are things that have interest to him. Walk into the building, and especially in a pharmaceutical kind of environment, I'm going to probably be met by a receptionist. Um, I want to find out how that person treats me initially. If I'm just a statistic, if she's take a number, here's your name tag, bam, you know that it's a very uptight place to work because that's the way they want their employees to act. If not, they would tell them to act otherwise. If I'm able to engage this person in conversation, I'm going to ask questions about the person I'm meeting. I'm going to be like, so what's this Jim Smith like? Is he a decent guy? Is he an athlete? Does he, what's, he, what's he into? Do you know anything about him? Um, they're probably the most informed people in the building is the, is the secretaries and the receptionists. They, they hear all the scuttlebutt and everybody wants to tell them something because they're not really in the food chain, so to speak. But they know everything. Um, she's going to end up either having you sit in a reception area or she's going to physically take you to the place where the meeting will, will be held. If you're going into an office, that's one environment that you need to pay attention to. If you're going into a boardroom, that's another. Um, maybe it's in a, you know, an open uh, coffee break area. There's, it depends on where you're going for this scenario, but, I mean, for the meeting. But in this scenario, we're going to go into his office. So I go into the office, and the first thing I want to do is figure out where everything is in the room. I want to find out where the desk is in relation to the front door. Where am I sitting in relation to where he's going to be sitting? Is there anything on the walls, on his desk, uh, bookshelf, that I can see are uh, indicators of things he likes? Pictures of him playing golf with Michael Jordan or a family photo to Disney, um, signed autographed football by Tim Tebow. 
you know, I don't know what there's a plethora of things that could be on on walls and, and on bookshelves and on desks that show what the person is into, what their interests are. Once again, that's all about building rapport during the, the next phase, which is the norm phase. Um, yeah, and another, Jay just pointed out something really, really important. Is it neat and, and orderly or is it cluttered? Um, because that's going to give you a personality indicator. Um, if it's if it's cluttered, it could be somebody like in a high eye who's, who's the life of the party but doesn't have a whole lot of organizational skills. Um, so you're looking around to see if there's anything you can use for a conversation. And then you're also looking around to see if there's anything around you that could be distracting behind you. Because when you're looking at the eyes of the person you're, you're going to be reading shortly, um, anything behind you could give you give off a false reading. So if he looks up and to his right, your left, that could be an indicator of lying. Or he could be looking at the fish tank that's over your left shoulder, that, that one fish just keeps swimming around and distracting him. So you, you need to make sure you understand what's behind you, fish tanks, um, windows. If there's a, a street level window where things are walking by, you see people's heads or you see cars driving by, that's something that could make his eyes avert to watch. And that's something you need to be aware of so you're not misreading um, something that could potentially cause you to go down the wrong road. So once you've determined where everything is in the room, oh, another thing before I forget, air vents, uh, ceiling fans. Uh, anything that could cause temperature change, very important because if you see a guy sitting with his hands crossed across his chest and his hands under his armpits, it could be a very closed off position. You think that he's not interested, but he could also be sitting underneath an air conditioning vent, which could cause him to feel chilly, which would force him to sit that way. So just to, again, things could be misread if you're not paying attention. So I'm in this, this office and it's, you know, it's got glass windows on the one wall. So you can see out into the hallway, people walking by. And that's, of course, what is that? That's a distraction. So you need to make note of that. So in this scenario, there's a lot of distractions. So I look down the hallway from where I'm sitting and I can see this guy walking down the hallway. He's in a business suit. Um, he's got a bright yellow power tie, cufflinks. Um, got, I call it Lego hair. So... It looks like it's been placed on his head. It doesn't move. It's got that kind of hair. Um, and he's talking on his Blackberry and he's got an earpiece in and it's just he seems like he's got a lot of things going on as he's walking down. But he's walking in real confidently, too. He's standing up tall, walks into the room, introduces himself. We go to shake hands and I immediately feel like we're in some kind of like a hand tug of war. And that is something that is very indicative of a high D, as is the power tie, the cufflinks, the well-manicured hair, the standing very upright and confident when you walk in. I say walking with a purpose. Like, you know, this guy knows who he is and he's walking in the door knowing what he's going to do. And that handshake is definitely a high D handshake. Invites me to sit down. I immediately start to uh, engage him in conversation that is not about the sales call. I just want to get him relaxed and, and to try to understand what kind of buying style he has and what his personality is. And in order to do that, I want to get him engaged in some, some, uh, some, some rapport building skills. So I, you know, I noticed in his car, he had golf clubs and I saw a couple pictures on the wall of him playing golf with celebrities. And uh, I, I may or may not like golf, but I sure as heck am going to talk about golf because at least I know a little bit about the, the sport to have a conversation. Um, so I can start engaging him in golf and ask him if he played a really famous course. Um, down in, in Orlando that I know and 
Immediately he says yes. And now he's starting to relax. He's sitting back in his oversized plush chair that sort of rocks back and forth. And he's got his leg crossed and you know, he's using his hands to talk, but everything's in view, which is good. That's a good thing. I can see everything that's going on. He's not hidden behind his desk, pushed underneath with his legs to where I can't see them. And his hands are out and open. Their palms are open, meaning he doesn't have a fist or anything like that. He's just very relaxed. Um, and as we're, we're discussing things that are, are interesting to him, I can see he's very calm um, and he's smiling when he's supposed to be smiling and his eyebrows are going up when he's smiling and uh, very constant eye contact, but not that, that crazy stare. So things are going good. And uh, so I've, I've pretty much determined by now that he's a high D and I know what kind of person he is. He doesn't want to waste time with minutia and, and, and idle chit chat when we get into the meat of the sales call. So I quickly I wrap that up, um, but real quick on your screen, guys. You're going to see the four different buying styles uh, under the disc program. You'll see the D, the I, the S, and the C. And, you know, for my guy that I'm talking to, I could just tell he was uh, one of those drive, you know, just the way he walked in, he's a driving force kind of guy. Um, he's probably competitive just because that's normal for a high D and he's playing sports. He's into golf. So, you know, I know having uh, played golf before with some guys like him that, you know, they want to wager on every hole because they think they're the greatest golf in the world. Everyone's the next Tiger Woods. Um, he sure as heck isn't um, wasn't like a, a very sociable guy. He wasn't a guy that was I was I would say is somebody that I wanted to party with. But um, he was nice enough. But I could just tell he 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 meant business when he came in a room. And he sure as heck wasn't passive and he wasn't cautious. Um, so I'm pretty sure he was a high D. So I decided to stop the the rapport building because I've got a pretty good idea who he is. We've I've read his body language. Um, and one thing I didn't mention, as I'm having my rapport building phase, I'm watching how he sits. Like I mentioned, his eyebrows are raising at the appropriate time. His eyes are not locked on, but they're, it's consistent eye contact. He's sitting in a relaxed position. Um, he wasn't distracted. He was attentive to what we were talking about. Um, everything seemed to be working right because he's relaxed. We're talking about something enjoyed. So there was no negativity within the, the rapport building. So now I know, okay, this is how he is relaxed. This is his norm. This is how he is at any, uh, any situation anywhere in the world. When he's not stressed, this is how he would react. And so basically the norms, like you see on the screen, is the way they act when they're not stressed or uncomfortable. It's their most normal and relaxed state of being. So as you can see here, it's just going to be a review here on the screen, the things that I was looking for. I was looking for... Um, how he stands, how he sits, depending on what situation you're in, the facial expressions, hand, hand and arm use and placement, uh, the kind of eye movement um, when he's speaking or answering questions. Uh, these mannerisms are the things that I'm looking at during the rapport. I already know what I'm talking about. I already know it's something that he's interested in. So it's kind of you have a, a leg up during this phase. So he doesn't know he's being read yet, but that's what you're doing. You're creating that, that baseline, that, that uh, median that you're going to use. So if things go, if you think, see things going towards the negative side, which you're going to see, you know, uh, I'll give you some examples of negative body language and behavior traits and then some really good ones. So you'll know based off of what you just saw during the norm phase, whether or not something has changed. And that's the key, noticing that something changed and then identifying whether that's good or bad. So during uh, the fourth webinar last week, we discussed the meat and potatoes um, of kinesics, which is the study of body language and human behavior. Um, 
when you're making a read off of the norm, once you've already established everything on the three baselines, you're gonna you're gonna head right into your your sales call. Um, and we created a system for the the unspoken sale for it's kind of like the traffic light system. So it's green, yellow, and red. If you're in the green zone, it means everything you just saw in the norm stayed that way. You didn't you didn't deviate from the from the norm. The median it, that that you've established is intact. Nothing's changed. You're good to go. So if you and your sales call and he's acting exactly the same way he acted during the rapport building norm baseline phase, you're good. If you start to see some changes, identifying whether those changes are good or bad are things you're going to have to pay attention to. And that's what the green, yellow, red comes in. So in the green lights, you're going to see, uh, just like in a roadway, the traffic light, that green's good. Um, happiness, pride, and passion are three really big green uh, emotional indicators in the sales world. Um, and you always want to remain in the green zone. Uh, yellow, there's going to be a bunch of yellow indicators, um, which are not necessarily necessarily bad, but they are things that you need to now pay attention to. Um, and they're sort of making you on high alert. Once you start seeing those yellows, uh, it's time to start paying attention. And just like on a roadway, you want to start potentially stopping if need be. And then the red, um, obvious changes like, uh, you know, he stops smiling or he's sits up straight and starts pounding the table or um, his jovial tone turns into a more terse and angry tone um, and his body language is matching that tone. Those are all red indicators. Um, and then at the end, I'm going to teach you how to potentially decide how to get back to a good green spot or maybe you just need to cut bait. And uh, so we're going to pick up on the scenario now where I begin my sales call. So. I'm on my sales call and I've decided that now's the time to really start to lay it out for him on what it is I need to sell him. Um, and I start to go down the road. I'm, I'm explaining everything. And I know he's a high D, doesn't have time for a lot of, of data and figures and things of that nature. So I'm pretty much hammering him with a hard sales call. And as I'm going through my, my pitch, I can see that, you know, he was facing me when, when we were talking. All of a sudden he started to, inches way towards facing the doorway. Um, and that's just a subconscious red indicator. That's something that his, he's going, I really want this meeting to end now. I'm, if I just get out that door, maybe it'll end. Um, so that's something that I, I needed to pay attention to. So I, I sort of put that in my mental Rolodex there and, and, I, and I proceeded on as, as I was continuing with the same pitch as I was starting with. And, uh, and then all of a sudden I saw him checking his phone and, and he's giving me a lot of like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yep, stupid little one-line responses that really weren't part of or, or responsive to anything I was saying. He was just saying it. Um, and that's something that really cued me into something wasn't going right. I was somewhere I'd, I'd made a, an error in my pitch um, that I was starting to lose him. And uh, the last thing I want to do is lose him. So I'm in that yellow area heading into red. Um, finally, I, I must've said something that was either inappropriate or, or that was enough for him to go, okay, this is done. And he, he told me that he had about five more minutes, um, that he has another call that has to get on and, and we needed to wrap this thing up at that point in time, knowing what I know, I knew that I, I just somewhere I, I, I misstepped. So I decided to try to do a recovery and I, quickly stopped and I said, listen, I respect your time. I know you're a busy man. Um, if you have any questions, I'd love to answer them because really that's what it's about. It's about you 
understanding what it is I'm trying to present to you. And if you have any questions and, or something's not clear, it's very important for me to make sure that is clear. Something else Matt taught me is just like driving a car, you have rear view mirrors, three of them. The moment you see that second or third red light, he told me, look in your rear view mirror, right? You can remember just a few minutes back to what you said. When the body language shows up, something just happened. So look in the rear view mirror. What the heck did I just do? And in the last few minutes, what is it that I said? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but if I make a statement, the delay in irritation is not going to show up in the body language with a delay five minutes later. I don't have to think back too far. If I see a red sign, I know probably the last words to come out of my mouth really just pissed them off or, or, or shot it. So look in your rearview mirror. What did I just say? Because as Matt goes into talking about recovery, then you're able to go, what am I supposed to be recovering from? Well, it was the fact that I just put the price out or that I just said we can't get it for another three months or that I just said, well, we'll have to decide that or it's not possible. Look at what you just said. That's the thing that just elicited the red sign. The beautiful part about having Jay here with me is that he's been in the sales and the consulting world his entire life. I, for one, have no idea what you people do on a daily basis. I just know that body language is universal and it doesn't take sales to be able to read it. It's, it's natural um, in everybody. They exhibit body language changes no matter what situation you're in. So that's the beautiful part about this. But, you know, so if I'm giving you a sales call, I've never actually been on one. So I, I'm trying to <laughs> generate some thoughts here on, on the fly as far as what a sales call would look like in my uh, uneducated mind. But so Jay is absolutely correct. Um, you're going to know that you somehow threw something out there prematurely. Um, you stepped on your own toes. You contradicted something you said earlier. Something caught his eye and, and his ear and made him change his body language. So you know, one of the recovery tips is to get them to ask you a question because then that re-engages them into what it is you're talking about. And also acknowledging that, listen, I know you're busy. I know that you, you, you want to get in and get out and get this, this meeting over with. However, I would just want to make sure that um, if there are any questions that I can answer them and just know that whatever it is you need done, I'm going to make sure happens. Because if you show a high D that you're willing to do whatever it takes to get the job done, that's something they value. If you're one of those guys that, uh, tiptoes around a lot, you're not going to impress a high D. You want to come at them aggressive, but yet um, not competitive, because the last thing you want to do is get in an arm wrestling match with a high D. You just want to let them know that you are just as high energy, mission-oriented, goal-oriented kind of person that they are, and that's the kind of person they're going to want to do business with. So remember, you're going to see some green lights, which is the norm baseline. That, that's your green area. Other green lights will appear when you're in that area if you're doing well. You'll see him smile more. If you say something witty, he's going to laugh. If he stays in a very relaxed and comfortable body position, then you're staying in the green zone. If he changes his body position in any way, if he sits more upright, that's not necessarily bad. It's just a change. It's something you need to pay attention to. It's a yellow. You're not sure whether it's yellow or red. If he starts to move his body towards the door or look around more or um, – answer a, a phone or call out to the secretary in the intercom and ask her to, to handle a call, you know, and he says, excuse me, I just need to handle this one thing. That's just him trying to uh, let you know that he's no longer interested without actually saying he's not interested. Um, and you can get back to the good spot if you just reel him back in with some quick, decisive decisions 
asking him for specific questions on anything you've said and acknowledging the fact that time is valuable and you respect his time. Um, one thing you need to pay attention to um, is there's going to be a point in time in your sales career where you read the body language, you went down the wrong road, you realize you're now in a red zone and you can't get it back. Sometimes that just happens. And sometimes that person wasn't buying no matter what. There was nothing you could have done to change this resolute the solution, which was, um, you know, I, I don't I don't know if there's a a way to save some sales calls. So remember, not only is their time valuable, but yours is as well. If you're spending an hour on a sales call with a guy that's never going to buy from you, that's an hour you're never going to get back. So sometimes when you're reading the body language and the body language sets are not interested and they were not interested really from the start or there was nothing that told you when you were reading in during the norm phase that, that they were an interested at that point in time, an interested buyer. Sometimes it's just better off to punt in football terms because going forward on fourth and long usually never works out positively for anybody. So um, identifying the deviations is the key. So you have your norm, you figured out what they're like, their personality is like, their body language is like during the, the norm baseline. And any deviation from that is something you're gonna pay attention to. Identifying and interpreting what those indicators are, the green, yellow, and red indicators, that's when you're gonna, you're gonna begin to understand how to direct your sales call appropriately as you're on the fly. If you start seeing the yellows, you're paying more attention. Once you hit a red, now it's time to start to really pay attention and understand where, how you might have gone wrong uh, during your call. So then reacting and then altering your approach is going to help you save your call or at least save your time if you aren't able to make that sales, um, that, that final sale that day. Because you can always come back. There's no shame in coming back. Um, and that's like I said here on the, on the slide, you have to decide whether to cut bait or punt, depending on how you want to look at it. And maybe, or, or just go for the close and, and you're going to risk it and you're going to try to make that save and bring the call back towards the green. Like Jay said, look in your rearview mirror, see where you made your mistake and you can correct it. And listen, I can tell you right now, if you say something, listen, if you know that at, you lost them during a time when you maybe uh, misspoke or said something against what you said earlier, which made them believe that maybe you were full of crap, a really good save in those situations go, you know what? I, I apologize. I misspoke earlier and uh, I said that it was $22 a square foot, but it was actually only $18 a square foot. So I apologize. I don't know where that number came from, but one of those, I, I apologize. I shouldn't have said that, but this is actually the, the real number. And that's something that you can do real quickly. And it gives you back your credibility if you acknowledge that there was an error and people do respect that. We're going to take some questions here in just a second. I see Dottie, Al, and Justin, you've got some, and Justin, you're still there. Um, while we're doing this or afterwards, just go to checktheunspokensale.com. This is the final webinar. Matt's agreed to keep that price down at a $79 price, single payment. All of the hours of, of training, the entire dossier that you get, there's a, a PDF manual there as well. Um, so go check that out. We'll take some questions here. Uh, let's see. Now, Justin was the very first, and so I wanted to eventually get back to yours. Uh, Justin, Matt asks, what's the effectiveness and importance of body language on a phone call? Great question, Justin. Well, un unfortunately, um, you're, you're only going to deal with two-thirds of the communication uh, spectrum when you're on a phone call. You have no way of dealing with body language. It's, it's actually a non-factor. Um, but you can get tone 
you can get pacing, you can get pitch. So if you're speaking and you're in a conversation and you can tell a change in that tone, where it was a jovial, happy tone, now it's a little bit more concerned tone. Now that's something that should pique your interest and make you realize maybe you're heading down the wrong road. Excellent. Thanks for that, Justin. That's the first time anybody's asked us that in the entire series. Uh, Al, did you get your audio back? We don't have any other reports and the stream seemed to be looking fine, so it may have been a connection issue. Just let me know. And Dottie, Matt asks, do you ever acknowledge to the client that you've noticed that his or her behavior has changed? For example, it seems I may have hit on something that, you know, raised a question. Is it something I can help you with or something like that? In other words, do I ever stop to say, look, I noticed that you just, you know, gave me a red sign, not quite that verbatim, but I noticed that maybe you're getting a little tense or upset, or do you just keep that to yourself? Um, there's a way to do that without telling them that you saw uh, a body language change. You can make it as blanketly general as, I noticed that um, when I told you the price, you seemed a little uncomfortable with that. Um, is there a question that I might be able to answer uh, about that? So you don't want to come out and say, hey, I've been reading you the whole time, pal. And I can tell that you went from an open position to a closed position by putting your hands under your arms and having your eyebrow raised. So that, that kind of, uh, you, know, you don't want to give away the special sauce, but you can let them know that you did notice that something changed and it wasn't something that you thought was positive, that maybe we can address that issue if, if there's a way that, that you can do so by question and answer or whatever. Awesome, thank you, Dottie, that's a great question. Uh, glad your sound came back, Al. And Justin, Matt has refined his question. So uh, even if I didn't quite understand the first time, we'll give you credit for a great question, even though that wasn't what you were asking, Justin. The second one, really, now that I see clearly what you mean, is equally as good. Um, and I've got a thought on this, but I'll let Matt go first. Justin is asking, really, with reference to my own body language as I'm talking on the phone to a prospect or a client, does my body language make any difference in the, as an intensifier, if you will? Um, I guess sub, subconsciously it could. So if, if the other person on the other side of the phone is really starting to piss you off and you can feel yourself getting tense and your body, I mean, you, you will notice if you pay attention to things, and that's what half this program is about is just paying attention. If you pay attention that you've now had an elevated heart rate and your breathing is getting um, elevated and you know your mouth's getting dry and your hands are getting a little bit sweaty and you're feeling your your blood pressure start to go up I can guarantee your body language is negative um, so just knowing that those one works with the other when it comes to stress the things that you're exhibiting over the phone with your voice you're swallowing um, your breathing that's all noticeable to somebody who's paying attention on the phone I listen for that whether or not I got somebody amped up or if I have them in a relaxed state you can tell by the way they're speaking and how they're breathing and whether or not you're you're hearing a lot of swallowing or lip smacking or, or or anything like that and that's stuff that just from a trained ear and paying attention you'll hear those things but knowing how your body language is reacting is going to help you adjust your stress level if you acknowledge the fact that you are at least stressed very good um i'll add my own thought here and it actually ties into yasmin's question or comment as well and thank you for that justin um I don't know that I originally believed back years back that it made a huge difference. I didn't do a ton of phone interaction with my clients. It was almost always live. I was doing a program with Tony Robbins and he taught me that action equals emotion. Your body controls your emotion. And I was a bit skeptical at first, but I now regularly stand up when I'm talking to somebody who's a client on the phone. Your body, the way you're standing, the way you're sitting, 
uh, if I'm distracted taking notes about something else, reading emails while I'm talking to them on the phone, I wholly believe it comes across. Um, I'm not, they're not seeing it in me, but I think the actions I take, as Tony was teaching, control the emotions I have. And emotions are definitely something that you can sense. You may not be able to put your finger on it. It's not body language that I can quantify with my eyes and see, but it, the tone comes across. So to Yasmin's point, I totally agree with you, Yasmin, and, and, and to answer the rest of Justin's question, um, I stand up. That's just one example. If I'm sloughed back in a chair and my legs kicked up and I'm talking to a client, I don't know because I never stopped to say, hey, what emotions came across when I was talking to you? But I feel now confident that I get better results when I actually monitor the way my physical body is acting as I'm talking to that person. Now, this maybe goes even farther, but when I go to work sometimes, I'll actually dress, and I know other consultants that do, that actually will dress more for a business occasion. If they know they're going to be making a big sales call or a webinar, even on a phone, it speaks to the whole mentality and the attitude in your mind as to how you're prepared. So many days I'll go to the office wearing flip-flops and shorts. But if I'm going to do something very big, again, back to Yasmin's point, I think that really is picked up. She mentions it as vibrations related to your voice and tone. But I think it's absolutely true. It comes across with inflection and breathing. So any other questions? Let's see. Uh, Les says that he conducts about 90% of his business by phone. And from now on, I will definitely stand during the calls. <laughs> There's actually... This will sound really stupid, and I'm sorry for the bunny trail. There was a study done by a physician up at Mayo Clinic, and I used to work up there for Johnson & Johnson. He built a walking desk. You can actually buy these now for $3,000 or more dollars through Steelcase, but that's stupid and ridiculously overexpensive. But he actually has a walking desk, and the emotions, the physicality of it, the impact on you on a stress level of moving and standing and walking around instead of sitting, you burn 110 calories based on his blind study. He really did a great clinical study at Mayo Clinic that showed you burn 110 calories standing versus sitting, 110 calories more. So there's actually a lot of health benefits behind standing. So aside, if you're making a lot of calls less and 90% of them are on the phone, then you'll be standing 90% of your day. And that's <laughs> awesome because it's actually more, uh, it's actually healthier. Matt? One thing on the uh, the standing, the, the body language, how that emits through the phone. Um, all that is is valid. I would only say that each individual person would have to know what it is that uh, is their trigger that causes them to feel stressed, that causes them to emit the emotions, the tones, the sounds through the phone that could potentially cause the other person on the other end of the line to feel that emotion change. Um, I, I I'm in tune to who I am as a person. So I can tell when, when things are starting to bother me. And I can tell for me standing, I have bad knees and a bad lower back. For me to stand would be very uncomfortable and would actually cause me stress. So I can't stand, but I have to sit and I have to sit in a certain position in order for me to feel comfortable. So each individual person is going to have their own trait by which they, um, especially during, you know, we're dealing with phone conversations. So you're going to need to know yourself. So maybe standing isn't your thing. Maybe Walking around isn't your thing. Maybe sitting on the edge of the chair with your, your elbows on the table is what puts you in the most comfortable, relaxed position. So just understanding yourself is really key um, to understanding how you're, you're portraying yourself on the phone, even if it becomes stressful. One last thought, and then if there's no other questions, we'll just uh, we'll, we'll thank Matt for his valuable time. 
one of the big reasons you need to go to the unspokensale.com is in that program, you're going to get a profile that will explain your natural D-I-S-N-C. So outside of being aware of what your body language is, as, as all of you have just helped us get to, but knowing what your natural style is. For me, this was incredibly powerful. I wish I had this back when I was with Johnson & Johnson and other companies many years ago, because it would have been nice to have been aware of the fact that I'm a high D. And so if I register somebody as a high C or a high S and I can identify them as Matt can teach you, then I have a much better idea of, I've got two points, point A and a point B. If I identify their point B, well, how do I get there requires knowing where I'm starting from. Go to any town, stay at a hotel, ask the concierge downstairs, how do I get to X? How do I get to the theater? They're going to tell you, assuming that you're starting there at the hotel, call somebody in that same town and say, how do I get to X? And they're going to go, where are you coming from? So going into the unspoken sale, getting the program, you're going to get your own disc profile and you'll know where point A is. We actually did a seminar on this year's back called the point A problem. And not knowing your point A is a big issue because I know they're a high D, so I can start talking to them. But am I a high D? Do I need to just let go and be my own high D? If they're a high C, I know my natural tendency is to not give enough detail, go too fast, be pretty aggressive and fast moving. I know that that's needing to be shut down. If I know I'm a high C and they're a high D, I know I tend to think everybody wants as much detail. Everybody wants this level of minutia. Everybody's gonna to wanna to see a 20 page proposal and all of the empirical studies that back it up. Using the word empirical, just got the high D to start checking his iPhone. So get into the program is gonna also help you understand and achieve where you start from, because that can make a huge difference plotting the course on where you get to their point B. Make sense? So Matt, anything else you want to add? Otherwise, you guys visit theunspokensale.com and we'll leave it to Matt to close it out. Thank you so much, Jay. Um, first of all, thank you, Jay, for, uh, for being a mentor to me and, and helping me with this uh, launching of this company and, and getting uh, me motivated to, to venture outside of my, my comfort zone. Um, remembering that 90% of understanding how to read someone's body language is understanding A, yourself, and B, how to pay attention. Always, always, always practice and spend your time being aware. When you walk into a restaurant, look at the faces of the people that you're walking by. Try to remember where they're sitting. How are you sitting? Where are you sitting in relationship to the door? What are you gonna, I always try to have the best vantage point from wherever I sit um, so I can pay attention to everything that's around me. I want to know where the exits are. I want to know what song's being played and how loud is that? Can I hear things over top of that? Um, just paying attention to simple things in daily life is going to make you more keen and more aware to the little minute things you're going to see in someone's facial expressions. Um, and if you consistently put yourself into a practice mode, whenever you go anywhere new or you head out of the house or you're dealing with your kids or you're talking with your wife and she's telling you about her day and you can tell that she's fired up, and you want to know why she's fired up and you can use her as a test subject. It's, it's fun. It really is. Once you spend the time to practice and start to really get good at it and see some results, you're going to want to do it all the time. So just be aware, pay attention to your surroundings and know yourself and you, everybody will be fine when they learn this. And one last question from Al, uh, real quick caveat. If you decide to use this training on your spouse, we would like you to sign a disclaimer that we're not liable for any physical harm that comes to you 
<laughs> your spouse finds out you're reading body language without telling him or her. Uh, and Al asks, do we offer any sales training that goes beyond the body language? Well, Matt's actually putting together an expanded course, an advanced program that's going to incorporate uh, probably physical training. We were just talking about it before this webinar, uh, where you can come in, might make it virtual, but if not virtual, then face-to-face -face certification training, if you will, more of an advanced thing. He's putting the bones together on that right now, and then we'll flesh it out. You will obviously be some of the first to know anybody that's registered here, all of you, Al, Les, Justin, everybody, Dottie. So that'll be coming out. Nothing to share with you right now at this point, Al, unfortunately. But thank you so much. Uh, thank you for your hospitality, Justin, and everybody else. Greatly appreciate it. Wouldn't be here without you. Everybody head off now to the Unspoken Sale. Check it out. See what you think. If you haven't gotten the dossier, get that. You'll love it. And we hope to see you on the inside. So for myself, Jay Niblick, thank you very much, everybody. And we'll be talking to you real soon. And Matt? Take care. And please um, spend the time, even if you don't go in, and purchase today, read the dossier, um, and think about it. Think about the, how this could potentially help build your sales um, to the point where you are, are, are now ahead of the game of the guy that's sitting next to you in the